So we just started talking about this before we pressed record. It's time to take another trip back to Jerry World. We're going to Jerry. We're going back to Jerry World. You know why? Well, I already told you why, but do you want to say why? I'll let you say it. Okay. Because <laughs> it's exciting for me. I actually like I like this beer. So Dallas Cowboys have unveiled their new Texas-sized experience. That's what they're calling it. Uh, the Miller Lighthouse. The Miller Lighthouse, named after the beer. Um, 87 square feet plaza, 60 televisions, including two fantasy football walls. So I'm assuming that's like a wall of fantasy points being tracked and calculated throughout the day. Uh, Two beer gardens. Um, Look at these pictures. They're amazing. And and, uh, um, and then a 1,200 square foot walk-in cooler. And there's about, in this picture, there's about 15 fridges looking through the glass, hundreds of Miller Lights. I wonder if they're free if you get in the Miller Lighthouse. Or do you have to pay for each Miller Lighthouse? I bet you got to pay for them. Probably. Or they just get, I think it's probably like a flat, like you pay like a subscription. Like $25 or something to get in for the game. Yeah. You get like two free beers. Yeah, something like that. Maybe. Yeah. So all of this would be really cool if it wasn't Miller Lite. Um, But we already went over this last week. Miller Lite is the, 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 they run Jerry World. I know. They control everything. I'm saying I think it would be that's cooler if it was beer, another beer. That's the only beer that Jerry will put in J- in Jerry World. And this is awesome, but I think it would be cooler if it were another beer. Well, you, it won't be another beer for another 10 years because we have, because Miller Lighthouse um, has uh, also come along with Jerry Jones announcing that they have renewed their Miller Lite uh, Molson Coors a partnership for another 10 years for $200 million. Yeah, he making the money. Miller Lite. Miller Lite. Strategic Light. partners with the Dallas Cowboys and Jerry Jones, unfortunately. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go enjoy a couple beers soon at at the Miller Lighthouse. We'll make a trip down there. The Miller Um, Lighthouse. Speaking of stadium experiences, for those of you that were wondering how my experience in Atlanta was in terms of stadium, food, drink, fabulous. Um, Atlanta's doing it right. They don't have exclusive partnerships with Miller Lite. They had $6 beers, $1.50 hot dogs. $2 $2 popcorns, like not overpriced concession, plenty of options. Um, it was it was great. And if you didn't already, send us in your favorite stadium and fan experience that you've been a part yeah, of. Yeah, especially now that we can uh, look back at all those good experiences, now that everything's starting back up again, getting ready for football season. So we're, today we're going to go over uh, the college football weekend that just occurred. And then uh, preview ahead as well. Let's do it. Yeah. Cool. Uh, let's. I guess we'll start with Tennessee. Tennessee's game was last Thursday. We beat Bowling Green. We didn't beat the spread as I thought we would. Um, well, I think it was thirty-two points. Uh, the spread was thirty-five. We only we only beat them by thirty-two, and so um, or thirty-one. One of the two. 
Uh, either way, we did not beat the spread. And if the spread wouldn't have gone up, it went up. It did. What it started? At 20, it started at twenty-eight. You would have covered, but it, it went up. So you know, you didn't. So you had to hop on it early. But yeah. uh, based on the spread we discussed last week, we did not beat the spread. So I'm right. Win for me. Um, but we we won the game. That's the that's the plus side. Journey um, and I had an. We watched it together. We did. It was an interesting game. Um, I think. Relatively disappointing from a quarterback standpoint, um, just because we've been talking about that in this like quarterback race, and then they named a starter, and then you know your other QB leaves the team, and just like this rat race for a quarterback, and then he went out there, and you mentioned it last week on the podcast, but dude had a bullet arm. I mean, like was throwing it 10, 15 yards past his you know, his targeted receiver, and just. Lost you guys a couple points and a couple first downs, I think, and a there little was, disappointing. There was a picture that was tweeted right out right before the game of Joe Milton, and he had like uh, a Megatron transformer arms because <laughs> every, everyone knew going into the game was like this guy. We've seen the, the the videos of him in practice, and he's just firing these 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 bullet passes, and he overthrew a couple of players. Um, the quarterback play itself. Yes, everyone is is kind of blaming Joe Milton for a lot of things, and it, I think it was a and the the coaches said the two they said this too it was a it was, a, it was kind of all the offense throughout the game. But here's a lot here's, of penalties. There was there, like, there was a few penalties. I yes. feel like there was quite a bit of flags, um, whether it was on the O line or I don't know. I just felt like there was quite a bit of penalties in that game when we watched it. There um, was. Here's here's a here's a crazy stat though. So Joe Milton he I. I, if I if I'm, I want to get these numbers correct, but I know it was atrocious and around this this area. Joe Milton went ten of eleven, or ten of twelve, in his in the first quarter. Okay. Okay. Three quarters throughout the rest of the game, he was one for eleven. That hurts. <laughs> That's terrible. That's awful. It's awful. And uh, so we, we talked about this for during the game. For 140 yards and one touchdown. Yeah. It, not great. Um, <laughs> great we Not only was he just overthrowing all of his receivers, but on the the passes that he did throw that were caught um, or maybe were incomplete, like we said it time and time again, I think every saw we Every time we watched Joe Milton throw, we were like, if this is any other team but Bowling Green, any other competitive team in the SEC, if this That's is a Bama, <laughs> a South Carolina, it's a, it's picked off, it's intercepted. Um, it, it, it was mistake after mistake. He was not accurate in the slightest. Um, right. In even the ones that, like, let's say it was a completed pass, it was so it was sloppy, um, which is going to cause a lot of problems in a in conference or more competitive game. Right. Some of his throws, like, it definitely, like, toward the sideline. And uh, I guess that throw, that uh, that one touchdown throw that he had to Cedric Tillman, you could just tell, like, the speed of the throw and the time that it was in the air. If it was any other elite defensive back, they would have turned around, got in front of that ball, and picked it off. And we're going to see that uh, throughout the season probably if, if nothing's improved. And maybe it was just, like, a, a casual game because it definitely looked casual. There were times that uh, – there were times that Joe went back into the pocket and just like stood there, flat planted his feet into the ground. He no, didn't move for 10 no seconds. movement, just stood there, and then he just scanned the whole field and threw it, and then it landed 
incomplete most of the time. And it just looked a little bit too casual for me. I don't know if that's his game style, but I just know it's, it's it, has, it didn't work very well. And there's there's a, a level of casualness or comfortability in the pocket that you want your quarterback to have, and that's okay. And I think what would have made that different if, if he made the if, if he, he would have made the yeah if he yeah. if he would have been accurate and not overshot his receivers by ten yards then everybody would have been fine with the fact that he was comfortable in the pocket took his time completed the pass like saw the play through but what was frustrating was not only did he stand there just for ten seconds and you know had all this time in the pocket but then he couldn't get a. a a completed pass to his wide receivers. So that's what was frustrating about it. Because I like, I think it would have been fine if he would have completed the pass. Yeah. Um, we would have been like, oh, yeah, he's comfortable in the pocket. He's not scrambling. His O-line's doing the job. But, like, you've got all day and you're still not completing it and you're overshooting your receivers. Shout out to our friend Jordan that tweeted out, uh, Joe Milton can will overthrow a Hail Mary. Well, Gentlemen will overthrow Hail Mary. We thought, he, we thought he almost did. I thought he I thought I, he did. At the end of the first half, he yep. threw that Hail Mary to the end zone. I thought it was landing in the crowd. Every We were all young. We were like, no, no, <laughs> no he way, didn't. No way. But they didn't land in the right back of the end zone, but um, it fell incomplete. But um, that, was, uh, that, that was just a wild throw. Uh, Joe Milton, you know, a lot of, lot of uh, inaccurate throws there. But then we had some drop passes from wide receivers. Maybe they were in the wrong position to catch the mm-hmm. pass. It's um, not all on him. It, it yeah, wasn't all not, on him. We're not just harping on him. He got sacked a couple times. Um, so the offensive line uh, had had a couple of, of um, missed plays there. But um, here's the positive, though. And this is huge. I like I like talking about this stuff. So Tyon Evans and Jabari Small. Uh our running backs, they both rushed for 100-plus yards during the game. It marks the first time since 2016 that the Vols have had multiple 100-yard rushers in the same Hell game. Hell yeah. And I believe that game was also against Bowling Green, I think, if I remember correctly. But um, Thursday's uh, game, season opening game, uh, win over Bowling Green marks the 850th win. That's awesome. Of the program. Hell yeah. So uh, that's uh, Tennessee is the 10th FBS program to reach 850 wins. Wow. Tyon Evans rushed for 120 yards during his ball football debut on Thursday, marking the most rush yards by a Tennessee running back in a debut since 2015. And that running back was. You can guess. <laughs> Who was the running back? I don't know. Tyler Evans rushed 120 yards during his football debut. This is the first, this is the most rush yards by a Tennessee running back in their debut since Alvin Kamara. Oh, I should have guessed you that. I should have guessed, guessed that. that. I'm so, sorry, I'm sorry. 144 like, yards. I don't know, but 144 no. yards also against Bowling Green in 2015. So that, that's what, that win was the last one. Did you pick up Alvin Kamara in any of your drafts? And a couple of them, yes. I mean, a couple of them. Um, and with 88 plays, 88 plays ran on offense against Bowling Green on last Thursday. Ball football was number one in FBS in plays per minute uh, uh, for this first week of college football. I would hope they would be. They were against 3. Bowling Green. 3.37 <laughs> plays per minute. 3.37 plays per minute. The 88 plays were UT's most in a non-overtime game since running 90 plays 
in a in the 38-38 win over Georgia back in 2015. That was a fun game. That was the Smoky Gray game. Um, but uh, th- those are a couple of highlights of good things that happened with uh, Tennessee's gameplay. Um, it has it was it's extremely fast. Um, uh, that's what that's what we knew, that's what we knew coming into this game. That's what we expected. It looks like Coach Heupel is a man of his word. He said we were going to be going fast, and that's what. Um, I love uh, a good high do. tempo offense. Um, I think uh, I think there was part of the defense. Uh, I think someone asked uh, Valus Jones Jr. a wide receiver. They asked him, uh, "Hey, uh, do you think the do you think you were tiring the defense by doing this fast paced offense?" Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Yeah." And then the reporter was like, "How do you know?" He's like. They told us. <laughs> they told they us. They told us they're tired. They told us that, that that we're so tired. Y'all are y'all are beating us into the ground with this with this pace right now. So hey, let's keep it up. As long as we, just be able to make plays. Uh, a lot of positive things to come from this game. A lot of things to grow on, and we'll definitely get a challenge uh, in week two. Uh, Who you for, got week two? For, for our second game, Pitt. Pitt at Neyland Stadium. Ooh, this the, is the, the one John, I gave you the guys Johnny the Majors win. Classic. The Johnny Majors Classic. I gave you guys the dub on this. You gave your y'all the loss when we did our, our preseason predictions. I did. Uh, how are you feeling after watching the first well, game going into this? I mean, I, I I mean, I was right about Tennessee not beating the the spread that we discussed that that last week. What's the spread on and, this game this week? Oh, let's check. Let's check. I think I think we can. We we'll just do a live bet right now. Let's do it. Let's do a live. Let me bet let me grab right my phone. Now. Let me grab my phone. Hold on, hold on. So, the spread four. The Tennessee Pittsburgh game. Mm. So right now, Caesars Sportsbook on uh, through the CBS Sports app has Tennessee as an underdog by one point five points. All right, that's pretty no. close. Hold on, that was the opening. Oh, three points. <laughs> I mean, still, that's a close game. They're definitely giving you guys, you know, room, um, room to compete. I guess, <laughs> uh, uh, definitely, definitely uh, not a not a money line I'm gonna bet on. You said that was a Little Caesars. What was that? <laughs> I taste you said Little Caesars sweets. Uh, the Caesars Sportsbook. Caesars Sportsbook. That, that's okay, just yeah. um, who who posts the odds in the um, in CBS in gotcha. the CBS Sports app. Okay, it's the same on um. Uh, BetMGM, DraftKings, Jack, nice. yeah. Yep, three three points, three three point underdogs, Tennessee. I, yeah, uh, be, I don't know. That's I'm basically not bet on that, that one. yeah. That's basically saying, hey, do you, is Tennessee gonna win or not? Uh, and I I had them losing. Yeah, so, you did. Uh, I'm gonna. Bet I will say I I don't know much about the Pittsburgh team, but I'm definitely a little wary after seeing how you guys played against Bowling Green. Um, I understand. <laughs> I had a little bit more hope there, uh, to be honest, for you all. But hopefully this is the game that you can come back and win um, or show that you can compete. Maybe it'll be a turnaround and set you know the precedent for the rest of the season. Right, right. No, it, it should be fine. Um, we were, I think we had similar... Um, total yards in our opening game uh they played umass last week they beat them 51 to 7 um and when it comes to like efficiencies uh, and and actually winning the game and getting some good yards on the ground um both tennessee and pitt kind of match up evenly the only thing that we're uh kind of looking into with both teams is that tennessee will be coming in 
probably opening up the playbook a little bit more than what we saw during Bowling Green. They were pretty much kind of straightforward, running most plays out of the same formation throughout the entire game. Mm -hmm. And we may open up the playbook a little bit more against Pitt. Pitt has a lot of starters that are, I mean, Tennessee has new quarterback, new coach, new regime, new, 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 new playbook. And now Pitt, uh, I believe they have a, they have a fifth year quarterback that, that knows what he's doing. A right, lot of, he's experienced. A lot of experienced yeah. uh, defensive backs as well. Um, so we're definitely going to have, a, have a, a huge challenge ahead of us uh, for the Johnny Majors Classic. But it's going to be in England Stadium. They, I, I believe last number I saw that we have about eighty five or 90,000 tickets sold already. Wow. So um, we're trying to... Um, trying to fill fill the fill the fill the stadium up you know how well you know what caused that right it it all all took somebody i think uh, i think tennessee fans are kind of they overreact on this every single time so whenever it's someone's first time coming in the Eland stadium the reporters always ask the coastal players like hey how do you how do you think you're gonna fare up against the tennessee uh-huh. fans yeah, and 100,000 100, fans and the the coaches are always like what do you what do you expect them to say? Oh, it's gonna be loud. We are not prepared at all. Yeah. Like we've never been in a stadium like this. They like, all say the same exact thing. Like we prepared. We prepared. All week. Um, I I I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be uh just like an, any other uh away game where we're gonna be uh going against uh an an opposing fan base that's gonna be making a lot of noise. And but we've prepared for it. We've been trying to uh, uh, uh kind of prep our team upcoming to this game. So. Uh, it's a lot of things that I feel like it's just going to feel like a, a normal away game. And that's just kind of like building confidence in your team, give, building confidence in your own coaching staff. Yeah. And then fan, the Tennessee fans took that as, oh, we're about to we're about to blow this bitch up. Oh, yeah. They're we're about to We're about to light up Neyland Stadium. We're about to fill this stadium up 100,000 people strong. And we're going to make as much noise as possible. I love that, though. Like, yeah, but, I mean, what can you expect someone to say, right? They're never, to your point, they're never going to be like, oh, we're not prepared for the crowd or the noise. Like, I remember um, at Ole Miss when we had big games, when we were going into, you know, an Alabama or an A&M or somewhere, LSU, where it gets rowdy, there's a big fan base, they get loud. We always practice. Oh, my God, Florida. I remember that one, too. Uh, We always, always, always used to practice when offense was out there um, and they're running play calls and they're doing everything, we would pull a golf cart up. I don't know if they did this at Tennessee. This is probably not uncommon. But to, to prep for the crowd noise in those big environments and big games all week in the practice before, we, we would put two giant-ass speakers on the back seat of a golf cart. And then we would put the golf cart in reverse so somebody would be driving and they would be behind the quarterback like less than five yards behind him and when we would practice like as they moved we would just keep driving in reverse behind him so that the crowd noise like never gave to so that the team and the offense could like acclimate to the play calls offensive line hopefully it will prevent or like be adjusted and in that mindset where they're not going to like have a false start or you know somebody jump um and we would do that before every big game, like, to make sure that we at least had some type of preparation and, like, truly were ready and, like, quarterbacks ready to, like, be yelling at that caliber when they're trying to, like, right. snap the ball, can you hear, that sort of thing. Sure. Um, and I always thought that was, like, super fun when we did that because I was like, oh, hell yeah, like, we're going in this, like, we're actually, like, did you win? trying to prep for the crowd noise. 
We did, did you for, win? We did it for a lot of games. Okay. Some were <laughs> wins, some were losses, okay? Okay. <laughs> uh, like, uh, when we went into Bama in 2015, of yeah. course we did that. We knew we'd just beaten them. Um, you know, of course we did that. Went in, beat them again, so it works. Uh, we've gone into A&M. The first year we had Sean Patterson. Uh, well, we had Chad Kelly. Sean Patterson was red shirt. We pull his red shirt because we want to go in and like win against A&M in 2016. Beat them there. I know we did it for that game. I know we did it every, do it every time we play Florida. We got to go to the swamp because they are loud. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure we'll do it in before, preparation before Tennessee. Definitely. Because that there are, there's always expect- so many people that are talking about going to that game. Yeah. Like, um, um, and just like. It, regardless, stadium size matters. I mean, Ole Miss's stadium only fits like 64,000, significantly smaller than a Neyland or a Kyle Field or, you know, um, the game. Like, it's just, it's so much. 20,000 people can make a huge difference. Speaking of crowd noise and um, smaller mm-hmm. audiences, let's talk about your game before we touch on, like, our favorite game of the weekend. But, Ole Miss and Louisville. Yeah, let's chat about it. So I was there. I drove down, or I didn't drive down, but I rode down with David's family on Sunday. We went. We were staying at the hotel across the street from the players. And by the way, David is Savannah's boyfriend. Yes. Um. So went down with his family, who are all Louisville alum. They're from Louisville. So, like, it was a really, really fun game for us to all kind of be at as a group. Um. And so went down on Sunday, stayed at the hotel across, whatever. It was great. First time spending... Uh, a significant amount of time in Atlanta. I've been there for like various things, like my first time going to a game in Mercedes-Benz, hanging out downtown near the stadium. So that part of it was great. Of course, the outcome for us, um, I'm super pleased with. So final for this game, 43-24 Ole Miss. Um, but in to front your point, of 10,000 fans. To your point, in front of not a lot of people in the stadium. <laughs> Where we, was everybody? We didn't have uh, a very packed crowd at all. The only thing I can think, and and I know we talked about this earlier, but you know, it's the fact that it's a, a seven-hour drive for Louisville fans. It was a five-and-a-half, six-hour drive from Oxford. Uh, it's a Monday night, so at 8 p.m., so everyone has to work the next day unless you take off. Uh, so I think a combination of those things, while super thankful and pumped up and like it's a big game and season opener for us, I think that deterred a lot of fans on both sides from traveling down. Um, like, and, and while we were there too, I don't know if it, it could have been harder to get a hotel. So the other thing too, there was a lot of shit going on in Atlanta this weekend. You know, obviously Alabama uh, played down there on Saturday in the 2.30 game (laughs) against Miami. joke of a game. And when we got there on Sunday afternoon, all the fans were still hanging out for the weekend. So, like, half of the Bama fans were still there and had booked a lot of the hotels. Then there was an event called Dragon Con, which is like Comic-Con. Apparently, it's one of the United States' largest Comic Con fest. The same weekend in the exact same hotels. Did you say Dragon Con? Like it was called like Dragon Con. People dressed up as dragons. Dressed up as anything you can imagine, and nice. I'll just let Were you there run any wild Dragon with Tail, it. Yep. Dragon Tail uh, characters like Quetzal oh, and no. Zack and Mizzy. I didn't see and... Dragon Tail, but I would have loved okay. that. Okay, that would that would have been cool. Uh, a lot of like medieval costumes. Um... Like vampires, swords, uh, 
Do you watch The Office or have you watched The Office? Yes, yes. You remember when Dwight shows up for Halloween and he's like the goddess of warriors and he's got the spikes and the make like mm-hmm. that is the caliber of costumes we're talking. And apparently it was the 20th anniversary. It's like one of the the largest Comic-Con um, conferences or like conventions in the United States. It was also within the same five block radius at all of the same hotels. They had rented four hotel convention rooms like, in the same area. So there was just a lot going on. So I don't know if that was part of the problem, too. Like, people couldn't get rooms because there were so many other events happening. Uh, but I just think it was a combination. Regardless, you know, we did come out on top. I'm happy with that. I think we had a really good showing in Atlanta. And you beat the spread. Uh, Yeah, covered the spread. You know your girl bet on that. Uh, I also put money in for Matt Corral. You heard it here. Heisman. Uh, I got money on that. Um, <laughs> you know, I wasn't going to pass that opportunity up. It just the odds were too good for the pay. It was so. Listen to this: twenty four hundred odds plus twenty four hundred for Matt Corral to win the Heisman if you would have bet on him before the Louisville game. Significantly, he's moved up in terms of odds. He's at plus nine hundred. That's a huge jump up in the Heisman race just after the season. Not opener. sure if it's because he played a crappy team or if all of the quarterbacks across the FBS were boo-boo. Right, and it, it'll be hard to tell, but still, like, I'm just happy I got in on the bet early, no, so right. if it pays out, uh, it'll be great. But Not downplaying Matt Corral's skill level at all. Well, so one thing, I was watching um, College Game Day, I don't know if you heard it, but when they were picking between the Ole Miss-Louisville game and they were all going around, obviously Kirk Herbstreet you know, called the game so he couldn't say it, but when Lee Corso... Um, you know, said, oh, I got Ole Miss on this. He said right there before season even started, he goes, and you heard it here first, my Heisman pick is Matt Corral. Um, so he projected it into the universe. I love Lee and I love Kirk. Um, so that made me happy, and I just thought that was kind of cool that, like, straight out the gate, hadn't even seen anybody play first college game day, and he was like, y'all heard it here, but he's my Heisman pick uh, okay. on the air. So that was pretty cool. Why didn't you get me on? Um, I don't know. You didn't get me on the this. Get on while it's at nine hundred, cause then he gonna drop soon. Uh, Get on now if you if you were behind the train. Get on now while it's still plus nine hundred, because if he continues to progress, it's gonna significantly continue to drop. Um, but some highlight stats that I just wanted to point out. So one thing we were talking about. Um. Uh, Ole Miss's defense, we were not sure what we were going to look like this year, right? We knew that we were coming in with a strong offense, a strong quarterback leader, some pretty impressive wideouts and and running backs that, um, you know, had been on the team and were a little tenured. But our defense has kind of been in question for the past five years. Uh, or past three to four years, five was like the last time we had a decent defense. And I will say I was – pretty impressed with what our defense looked like obviously there's always room for improvement but one thing that was a really incredible stat um, and they said it when the game was happening was this defense was the first time since 2016 when we played Woodford you know another non-power five school (laughs) Woodford okay that we have had like held that many points um to a game so pretty impressive in terms of like i'm sorry not points 
Uh, what am I trying to say? Yards? Yards. Thank you. I was like, like not points. Every I, opponent has scored more than 24 points no. since. I was like, sheesh. Okay, yards. That makes Pardon sense. Pardon my, um, my human mistake there. Yards. No, you're fine. So that was the most yards we've held um, in terms of our defense since we played Woodford in 2016. So clearly, signs of improvement for us when putting up stats that, you know beating a stat that's four years old, similar to a couple things you pointed out with Tennessee. Um, Mm -hmm. In terms of Matt Corral, he threw for 381 passing yards. Um, Pretty incredible. I mean, when you compare that to Malik Cunningham, who, from a Louisville perspective, we were kind of expecting to to look a little bit stronger because he's a veteran QB. Um, He did not look good at all. And only threw for 191 yards. This in the team, game. Was, that team was missing easy throws, easy checkdowns, and dropping balls. Bad. And they could, they that, that, yeah. I only watched the first half of that game. I'll be honest. <laughs> and that's okay. Um, Louisville fans are already, if the season progresses this way, from what I've heard and from other podcasts and sports announcers I've listened to, their fans are basically pissed. Rightfully so after that show out, because Satterfield's been there for, this is his third season now. Basically, they're like, if this is a a preview of what the season is to expect, they're going to call for that man to get fired. Uh, That's how disappointed they were in that showing, Mm -hmm. which I was disappointed too. Um, But speaking of Malik Cunningham, so nowhere near the passing yards that Matt Corral put up. But I I looked over at... um, David's family during the game, and I was like, "Your best, their, Louisville's best running back out there was also Malik Cunningham. He was the only one that could make <laughs> anything happen. Like, and he was their top r- rushing yards with seventy nine yards. Um, but I even said it when the game was happening. I was like, he, he's your best player you have out there right now. Because if it wasn't for him, I don't know if they would have made anything happen at all. Uh, so granted, he didn't have a great game, but he was also the only one that basically did about anything for Louisville offensively. Um, but in terms of Ole Miss, offensively, we look great. Impressed with the fact that um, you know our defense showed up, and it looks like we might have one this year. Knock on wood. Um, Snoop Connor, I don't know if you saw that play. Our running Snoop. back was that the ran what, that ran man that guy down. over at the goal line, right? Ran that man down. Yep, on I the did goal see line. that play. And I was we, like, ah. yeah. <laughs> So he was our top uh, rushing yards, um, two touchdowns, basically, like, ran the man over like he was a truck, um, you know, hitting. Yeah, yeah. It was crazy. Um, I'm excited to watch him this. Yeah, I'm excited to watch him this season. I'm pumped. No, that was hype. Um, The one thing I will say about that game is, oh, my God, at the amount of... Um, personal fouls that they oh, kept calling yes. for targeting. Uh, y'all, some y'all, y'all are coming for y'all trying to kill people out there. Uh, Lane Kiffin said when they remoted him in because he wasn't there, so that was something we didn't even get to talk about uh, from last week in between last week's podcast and this was Lane tested positive for COVID. He didn't even get to be there to coach our mm-hmm. offensive, um, our offensive. Coordinator Jeff Levy was the one that called that whole game. So, first of all, we were missing our head coach, and if we look that good without him, I sure as hell hope we'll look better when he's there. But he obviously was watching and, you know, in the IPF or wherever he was, keeping up with the game. And he said 
um, halfway through the game, he was like, we're going to need these refs to teach us how to tackle because if they keep calling targeting calls, then at this point I don't know what a clean tackle is. And it was so bad. Like, there were, there were at least – I think there was only one true targeting call. I saw the whole game, and they called four or five targeting and ejected players. It was four. It was four. Yeah. And I'm like, what are we doing? I mean. I think the biggest conversation that everyone's having is saying stop kicking him out of the game. That's the main thing I've been seeing. Like, this season particularly, for a few games, like, outside of the Ole Miss-Louisville game, everyone's like, hey, I know targeting calls. Like, no, I don't think anyone, any players out there just headhunting. They are just playing fast. They they make mistakes. There's no reason to kick a kid out of a game, um, and and I know that happened one time with uh, with a, I can't remember which senior it was at Tennessee, but he got called for targeting and he missed his senior night game, and he and he had to get kicked out. That's so disheartening, and, and that's it's like... so sad because we like we we the fan base know the player very well. He was a senior and, and he's. And he's not known for this kind of character of like yeah. trying to hurt somebody. So I don't it was an think ninety nine percent of them aren't trying to hurt yeah, anybody. Yeah. Whether it whether it's a rough call or not, I get that. But like, you know, there was the very first targeting call out the gate yeah. was against Ole Miss. They didn't even pull or draw the flag on the field. It was a replay, replay. call that then ejected him. And it was like all the man was trying to do was when you go in for a tackle, you go, you know, you go in like head down, wrap up. Yeah. And it just so happened they, you know, they both hit, like they both went to tuck at the same time. Yeah. But it was like. It's football. It, it's Well, first of all, it's football. Second of all, I think there are obvious targeting calls in football when you like, you see it or you hear Your that hands hit. are flat on your side and you but, just dive in like well, a fish. Or you just, yes, you targeting. hear it and you see it to the point where like, even the crowd will be like, ooh, like you know that that, but like, for instance, that very first targeting call of the game, none of the refs even saw it to pull a flag until replay came back and called it. And, and then, then they ejected him. him. Yeah. And it's like, if you aren't, no offense, but, like, and I get we've got replay for a reason, but, like, in those instances, like, it wasn't an intentional thing. You didn't see it enough. Nobody saw it enough to call it on the field, and now you're going to, like, go back and eject the guy, like, on a simple wrap-up tackle that, you know, like, and there are times, and I'm not saying this just because of Ole Miss, there are definitely times where Ole Miss, non-Ole Miss, whatever team it is, there are blatant targeting hits that you can tell or ones that maybe it wasn't intentional but you're like shit that was bad you're right like we can't not have that happen but like in some of these cases they just kept calling it and like even you know even he was just like if if this is the case like we don't know how we're not teaching them how to properly tackle because i'm not seeing what we're seeing here um no that was that was definitely that was like one of the worst parts of the whole game was just the fact that they just kept on with it and i'm like what the first half took both both fan bases in the stadium were so irritated like i was sitting all around louisville fans and almost fans we were mixed in pretty decently and like everybody was just like i mean you were sitting next to people no no. okay i was socially distant no i mean like I, i saw the i saw the video and no, I was. Like, I, I'm sitting. Like, I was like everyone was pretty spread out. No, with a, I was. Um, with the I had number a, of people there. My section was full. I'm just making full. jokes about the people there. I'm just kidding. My section was full. Other sections okay. weren't yeah. full. So I know what you're talking about. Um, um, but that was the hardest part. Like, no matter who you were pulling for in that game, it got to the point where everybody was like, "Oh my God, we're doing this again!" Like, it was annoying. Who do you play next week? 
Awesome P. Austin P. Austin P. Yeah. Had to think about how I say that again because I still and, can't and where remember. Are they? Um, they are 45 minutes up the road, ladies <laughs> yeah. and gentlemen. Yeah, Trust the... me, I won't make that mistake again. <laughs> um, no, but we got we got Austin P. We actually have a night game in the VOT. We're 6:30. I'm kind of shocked we got that great of a time slot playing such an, you know, a lower level team. Um, but a night game in the VOT. This will be our first home game. Our fans will obviously show up, show out. There was a video that's like floating all around the web right now of Lane Kiffin basically saying like, hey, we beat Louisville, we started things off good, but like, let's show up, even though this isn't a big team for us, like, we want to be there, we want to have a great stadium environment, first year, he was like, first year for me as a head coach that this is going to happen, so he was like, selfishly, I want a crowd, but like, also for our players, like, for everything, like, let's bring it back, make sure we've got a good crowd, we've got a night game, good TV spot. Um, and then he tweeted Katie, Katie, Katie Perry. Perry. Yeah. He tweeted Katie Perry and was like, we Are want you, you to come to back. No, no, I'm not going this weekend. Um, my next game. So you didn't listen to Lane Kiffin? He said, fill the, fill the stadium. What? I'm not going. <laughs> I don't have plans to go. I'm definitely going to watch. I think he was more so talking to the students who like oh. show up halfway through first quarter and then they leave by halftime because they're trying what, to make the bars what's before kick, cover. What's your kickoff time? 6.30. 6.30? Yeah. Okay. Um, we're, so, a new, we're a noon kickoff against Pitt. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought we would be um, against Austin P. Uh, just I, I wasn't expecting us to get a, that great of a TV slot. Um, at least I just figured there would be bigger games. Right. But either way, can't complain about that. So first game at home of the season, coming off a win, night game, energy should be high. Katy Perry is invited at some point this season. Lane offered to get her all the corn dogs her heart She's desires. Gonna be, she'll be swallowing corn dogs. Yeah, she will. Um so hopefully, I, I feel fine about that game. I'm not worried in the slightest. Um, you know, it'll definitely be a dub for us, but we'll be quickly approaching, uh, I think, the week after that um, is when we get into our first conference game. Mm-hmm. And well, so, y'all play Tulane, then you have Alabama. Okay, okay. I, I will say Tulane may give you some trouble. You see that game against Oklahoma? I did great not. Great game. It was a great game. Tulane gave up a fight. Fun. Against uh, against Oklahoma and Oklahoma was uh, uh, ranked last week at number two in the nation and Oklahoma won forty to thirty five. It was an incredible wow, game. Wow, I, d- I didn't see that. It was um, an incredible game. I would have liked to have caught that, but so yeah, good, we've good got two lame. So we've got actually two back to back night games, which I'm super pleased with. So six thirty for this weekend's kick, and then we've got two lane at seven. Yes. Another night game at home the week after that, and then Alabama. Um, and, of course, we'll be talking a lot more about that in the future. But my next Ole Miss game that I will catch will be the Ole Miss-Tennessee game in person. Uh, and then hey. the, after that, I'll be going to the Ole Miss-LSU game in person. Hey, so. hopefully, hopefully Coach O is still around at that point. I Yeah, I don't know if People he – People are kind of pissed off about I was, him. I'm hearing things. I'm not anybody that knows what's going to happen. I'm not here to call anybody's job. I'm just saying what I'm hearing out in the streets. I heard the same thing. <laughs> um, I've heard the same thing. People are a little unhappy and um, which I think we said, or maybe we didn't say, or maybe it was off air, but we both said we thought UCLA would give LSU a run for the money uh, in terms of a good competitive game. So mm-hmm. one last game I do want to talk about and we'll wrap this up. Uh, Georgia coming out winning. Barely. That game stunk. There wasn't a single offensive touchdown. Uh, the, I was watching the game, and I was like, I thought it was going to be a shootout. It looks like 
Uh, it, literally, the whole game was called because of one mistake. Clemson's quarterback, uh, Ugalele, whatever his name is, um, he, he threw an interception and it was a pick six and it went back the other way. And the only other two scores was the two field goals, one for Georgia and then one for Clemson. And, and of course, Georgia won 10 to 3. Boring. That Boring, w- but I don't, I like, I knew Georgia was gonna... either the defense is elite or the offense for both teams sucks. sucks. Yeah, <laughs> I think that my I think Clemson's not going to be great offensively. Um, not just based off that game, but like you're coming out of like you just lost Trevor Lawrence. Like that's who they've I mean, relied they relied on through every natty. Like that their stars were those national championship or college football playoff teams, mm-hmm. and they just lost a crap ton of them the to the receivers, pros. They're, so they're they're everybody. a fresh, very you know, junior team, uh, green team. And that's the, the conversation about uh, coaches like, um, well, elite programs that in recent elite programs like Clemson, Georgia, um, that's what put Alabama above the rest of all of them. Cause Nick Saban has some mindset where he's able to plan ahead where it's not like when you, you when they lose players to the NFL or lose them to graduation, no one's ever concerned of like, okay, who's the that next player coming? Depth chart is. He thick. has the next round of people. They do. They do not rebuild. They just re. They just restock. Yeah. And they just keep depth going. Art, depth chart. Depth chart. Depth chart. Depth chart. Their depth chart. Depth, depth chart is thick at Bama, which I'm kind of surprised Clemson didn't set them. I mean, when you're going to the college football playoffs and you win and you know a natty and that like. I would have thought recruit-wise they would have had a better depth chart and, like, people coming up the pipeline. But they're pretty green. So, I don't know. We'll see. But um, That was your favorite game of the season. My, uh, just real quick, my favorite game of the season, uh, game of week one. Weekend, yeah. The weekend was uh, Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt lost. I saw. To ETSU. <laughs> so I saw. Incredible. Incredible by 21, 21 points, I believe, twenty four to three, if I remember correctly. You would think, oh my god! Just, I mean, brand new head coach, brand new coaching staff, like starting over from last year after they didn't win a game and they fired twenty three to three. Coach they Mason, lost to like East Tennessee State, East East eight, Tennessee, eight, State. Eight, East Tennessee <laughs> State University. I kicked them out, kicked their ass by twenty, twenty three to three. I don't know if this coaching staff will last much longer. Uh, I mean, you know, they got rid of Ma- Coach Mason because they didn't win a game. But, like, if that's how we're kicking off with a brand-new coaching staff and all this money that they've pumped into trying to rebuild that program, not a good look. Yeah. Poor guys. They've been rebuilding for years. Yeah. But that's my favorite game. Oh but I'm looking forward to this this weekend of fun games. The NFL starts this weekend. The NFL starts tonight. It does. Go Cowboys and wear my Cowboys hat. Uh, football is back, baby. Uh, and, uh, and and we're both excited. Yeah, we are. We got our fantasy leagues. We drafted last night. I'm watching the game tonight. It's going to be great. Um, but just so much. This is it's my it's the most wonderful time of the year. I, this is my favorite. I know it's your favorite too. Like we've got so much to look forward to, including. Our brand new t-shirts that I'm ordering for us, representing your favorite school and all of high school football, Sycamore, Bishop Sycamore. <laughs> Bishop Sycamore. Bishop Sycamore. Is, are, but are they a high school? You said it's my favorite high school. I don't even know if they're a high school or not. But they're they not might not be, but guess what? They're guess our what? favorite. They're our favorite. We're our favorite. Whenever those shirts come in, we should we should wear them at, at some point together and take a in picture. a public venue you're right and Maybe. we should skip down the street together and 
and pass out cards on slips of paper for our podcast. Start recruiting. Yeah, let's just start getting people to listen. Yeah. Um, Bishop Sycamore. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> you guys heard it here. We've got t-shirts on the way. Bishop Sycamore is yours truly. We're going to sign off now from your principal and your athletic director. We hope you have a good night. Take care. God bless.